So for those of you who have been on church camp before, uh, we do have kind of a tradition in our final session. Um, it's a special time that has been dubbed the State of the Union. Um, for those of you who are familiar with US politics, uh, the idea of the State of the Union comes actually from the US Constitution. Um, there's an article that requires the president to give a speech and it usually happens at the start of the year. Um, the president will address Congress on the nation's budget, the economy, uh, progress and the priorities over the next year. Um, so in our context, we have even better than that. We have our senior pastor, uh, John here, um, here to share uh, what's on his heart, his vision for our church over the next uh, year um, under God. So I'll hand it over to John. We have called it the State of the Union. Now that might sound strange, not, not the president at all. In fact, just the humble servant of the true king. Uh, but it's really the union, our union in the Lord, isn't it? Our union in Christ, and that's what it is. It's a time to reflect together, us together, morning, evening service as a whole church, our unity in Christ, our union together, and what it means for our church. So I spent some time uh, reflecting on that, but before that, uh, after lunch, one of the little girls said to me, Hey, John, can we stay another night? <laughs> and it was with those very cute, you know, young eyes. And, and I said, No. <laughs> but uh, wasn't that uh, wonderful? Just, just to see the excitement of the little ones as well. Uh, we do have a flat tire. Now, can I just get a raise of hands if you know how to change a tire? <laughs> okay. If you are a man and your hand was not raised, okay, we need a men's event for you. <laughs> well, hasn't it been wonderful? And, and hasn't uh, Simon been so good for us? It's really God's blessing to us, isn't it? Each year we try to get uh, someone in who's a seasoned preacher, someone who will enrich us and nourish our souls. And Simon certainly has done that for us. And, and I'm not sure about you, but as you experience this weekend together with us, it just feels like the people of God gather around God, around Christ, our unity in Him, being filled by His Spirit. It is that little foretaste of heaven. It's a pale foretaste, but a foretaste nonetheless. However, the difference with heaven is that there will be real talents in heaven, real ones. But last night it was good effort, really. To Andrews, excellent effort. I was worried we might have to pay for a new stage, but we're okay. Um, the staff team, Simon Manchester said we should sack that staff team. <laughs> uh, but uh, I think the one uh, that did win, they deserve to win. Uh, but I, I thought before I get into what I want to reflect on, uh, just to thank our church camp committee. They've done many hours of tireless work that's unseen, and, and that's okay because... We serve the audience of one, and that is the Lord himself. Uh, but we do want to acknowledge the committee. Uh, you know who you are. Uh, many of you will know who they are. But especially Steve Whitehead, who's been really magnificent. So Steve, uh, thank you so much for serving us, brother. Uh, using your retirement, which is how you retire as a Christian. You don't retire. You give your heart to the Lord and you continue to serve him. You and Margaret both uh, serving us so wonderfully in your not retirement. So thank you so much. Let's put our hands together. minutes, actually it's more than a few minutes, uh, reflecting on what we have called the state of the union, our, our union in Christ. Really. Uh, and I think that's 
the way we are to think of it. You know, there's that thing with the president, certainly not that. Uh, but to reflect together, and it is a tradition, and I was reflecting back on when this tradition started. It was, in fact, in 2014, which means this is the 10th address, the 10th time. But I've got some photos for us, just to reminisce, if you were around that long, you'll see yourself. And I've got some photos just for us to, to look over. Our first camp, in its current form, really, started 11 years ago in 2013. So this was Forest Edge. It was a much smaller group. Now some of you are still with us. Some have moved on. Um, so that was the first one. And at that camp, that was the little ones. And Yvonne was doing creation kids' church back then. Oh, so cute. <laughs> We've lost that cuteness. And our kids, not, not the other kids. <laughs> so that's 2013. 2014, also Forest Edge. It's, it's grown a little bit. Now, I think some of us were there right at that time too, right? You can see that, 2014. Now, there was a tradition back then, <laughs> and that was uh, we would throw the speaker into the river or the lake or the dam, whatever that was. Uh, so that was my year. And you see our elder Ian there, with, uh, a lot younger. <laughs> now, 2015, Upper Plenty. So that's our church family back then. And that year was Pete's turn to be thrown in. And then 2016, back at Forest Edge. Now what happened then was we, our speaker was Philip Jensen, and so we couldn't throw him in the dam, so we spared him that. And that was when Ollie was our student minister. What was that 2016? How many years ago is that? And he had a lot more hair. <laughs> and Caleb still looks just as young. 2017, that, that's when we started to come here, Phillip Island. 2018, that was when the, what was that move called? That was when it was the flossing. The flossing. That was, remember that? And then 2019, and this was the year just before COVID hit. So that was our biggest year um, uh, up to that point. And then 2020, remember that one? <laughs> yeah, so we had hit Adam. 2021, remember that camp? Online again with uh, David Jones. So he gave us some talks that were recorded from Tasmania. And then last year, Back here at Phillip Island, 2022, and now 2023, that's this year. And so, um, in, in God's kindness, it, it's grown. Uh, we've, we've had our biggest camp here this year, so really wonderful just to reminisce on those photos. Now, what we normally do, or what I normally do during this session, is really reflect on the year that was, and then look together towards the year ahead. And so, I, I'll spend a few minutes thinking about the year that was. What are the things we could reflect on, think about? And if anything, last year was quite a big year in our church family. It was actually quite a big year in the life of our church, in, in its history, in fact. Quite significant changes. In fact, I was looking over my State of the Union address from 10 years ago. And 10 years ago, our growth group ministry, we were so thankful to God. 10 years ago, 2014, uh, our growth group ministries, we had about 120 people in our growth groups. That was wonderful. We were so excited back then. 
Today we're about 240 in our growth group ministry. And so that was just nice to reflect on to see how God has added to our numbers. Certainly not just in numbers, but our maturity, our growth, our, our love for the Lord. Ten years ago, we already started praying for a ministry apprentice ten years ago. And, and in God's kindness back then, um, shortly after that, we had Anna Harris, who was our part-time ministry apprentice. But it's been quite a while, and in God's kindness, this past year, we've got ads as our full-time ministry apprentice. We've been praying for a long time, and God has answered that prayer. And Ad's been working well. it has been doing a brilliant job with us. And I'm not sure if you'd notice, Ads is not around. And that's because with apprentices, what we, what we do at church, can we send them back? So he went back to lead the service and to preach. You know, you laugh, but it's good training for him, so. It's all for his good. Ten years ago, there were two members on staff, so I was the assist, assistant minister back then. And at the moment, uh, ten years later, we've got five on our ministry staff and a wonderful team who work so well together. They are God's blessing to the church. I'm not just speaking about myself, it's a blessing to you. But really the staff team, they really are God's blessing because we, we work well together, we love the Lord, and what we want to reflect in the church is our heart for the Lord. And hopefully that is seen as you see Ollie and Cassie and Ian and Ads serve and love you and love the children and you. And so it's a blessing to just reflect on the last 10 years. But just in the last year, what have we seen? Well, among all the regular and wonderful ministries we already see, and so I really want to say a big thank you to all of you who are involved in praying, not just necessarily lifting up your hands, but praying, committed to loving each other, caring for each other, but being involved in all the various ministries. We, we have a high percentage of our church members who are active members, not just pew warmers, and, and that's to praise God for. So really, thank you. A big thank you to all of you. In a sense, you know who you are. We don't want to take away your rewards from heaven, leave it for heaven. You serve the audience of one, so we, we leave it to heaven. But, but thank you for being co-laborers in the gospel, for being gospel partners, so that we might do something that is, in a sense, beyond us, for the glory of our King. And so thank you for all of that. But this last year, what have we seen? Well, first, last year, we had our... First Community Day, if you remember that, in November. It, it uh, was something that um, we did used to do at least 10 years ago. I think when I started at this church, we only had it once. It used to be called the Church Fate, a very different flavour. This time, it's actually more of an outreach flavour. So our first one was last year. It was a wonderful way where we could express the love we have received from the Lord and to, for that to overflow into our community. And so it's happening again this year, so keep your eyes open, your ears open, uh, the 11th of November. And so when the call comes out, get, get engaged. Let's work together to reach our community to express the love of Christ. So that's the 11th of the 11th. I mean, this last year, it, it's been going for a number of years, in fact, but I want to highlight the mainly music ministry. I'm not sure if you are aware. Uh, it's a ministry for preschool kids on the Thursday, and because it's... Um, balloon and blossomed they, Dawn and Greg, they have to run it twice. And we have many of these families, or parents, grandparents with little ones, who are not from our church. Who are, who are interested, who love the fellowship, the fun time. On Thursday, I thought I'll visit and just check it out and see what happens. And I uh, spoke to this uh, Spanish mum. She was there for the first time. She enjoyed it. But they're our opportunities, aren't they? And it's growing, it's flourishing. And so a big thank you to the main music team 
But if it's for you, Thursday mornings, you're free, just come along, chat to the parents, get engaged, you know, be the signpost of what we've heard Simon say, signpost to who God is. The other one I want to flag uh, from this last year is really the Connect and Coffee team. Wonderful ministry they've been doing. Uh, you heard from Margaret before, the race marked out. How encouraging is that? Do grab a copy, download it, read it, read and learn from the saints who are older than us, how they've persevered in the faith, how they are running the race mark before them. And so wonderful work from the carers team. But, but what is wonderful about them is that they do a lot of work that's just unseen. And of course, all our ministries often is unseen, and that is good. That is okay because the Lord sees. But a couple of weeks ago, I visited on one of my partial visits, uh, an older couple. And I discovered from this older couple that one from the carers team would go to the home and do a Bible study with one of them every fortnight. I thought, wow, that's happening and no one knows. In a sense, who cares? But it is happening. So, so praise the Lord and thank you, Keras team, for doing that. The next one, this last year, another new thing that was introduced, the name stickers. <laughs> now, the only response I want from you is a thumbs up for that. <laughs> so, good work to the welcome team for, for making that happen. So, Michelle and your team, uh, really wonderful work. So, hopefully you do make use of that. Being warm to each other, you see each other's names. But of course, the, perhaps one of the bigger things that happened this last year that could not have happened if we were not praying together, if we were not united, if we were not sacrificial, was the purchase of Five Oracle Road. I mean, last year, I shared these words. Last year, we, we were thinking about it, praying about it. But last year, I said, there is no way at all that we could be in a position to even consider purchasing any property if our church was divided, if there's no unity, if there was bickering in our church, if there was a lot of infighting, and above all, if we're not centred on the gospel. We could not even have considered it as a possibility. But of course, in the kindness of God, what God has been doing over the last few years, and I reflected on this last year, I, I do feel like God has been, in a sense, laying the foundations. In, in a sense, Christ is the foundation, the the teachings of the gospel and the apostles are the foundations, but God has been laying a good foundation in our church in the leadership. We do have a strong leadership. I'm not sure how much you appreciate that, but we should. A strong leadership is a blessing from the Lord. There's a wonderful united fellowship. Excellent men of God who live a life that is consistent to their faith. We have a wonderful gifted board, growth group leaders, and of course the staff team. A strong leadership is so important. And it, it feels like God has been preparing us for quite a number of years. It didn't happen straight away, overnight. But that enabled us to do things like, let's consider purchasing this property. And so what God has done was he answered our prayers. Remember last year we were thinking about this, praying about this. Now looking back, God has answered that prayer. And the purchase of the property, it, it, on one level, we're not about bricks and mortar. We're about the salvation of souls. But God in his kindness is laid upon us. Now you've got this to be responsible for. It's like the parable of the talents. You know, we had five, and we were faithful with five. Now he's given us, well, now you've got ten. Let's see what you'll do. Will you be faithful with this next season? Now that you do have the property last year, we were thinking about it, praying about it. Now you've got it. And in the kindness of God, we can see it is the kindness of God because... What, what did it mean for the church to have purchased that property? Well, it cost a fair bit. It cost a mozza. Uh, um, how much was it? 
to six or something like that. And amongst the church family, we pledged about 1.3 million. Isn't that the blessing of God? The kindness of God in working on your heart to be generous? Now, do you think we have to lay off staff now because we've all given so much away? You know, next year, sorry, Ollie, we'll have to, you know, dock your paper. <laughs> you know, you might be worried, wouldn't you? But in the kindness of God, the, the board, in managing the funds, we looked at finances, and our giving has increased over this last year, even with the purchase of the property. And so you can see that that, that has to be the work of God. He's given us more talents, now be responsible. But doesn't it just get you a bit excited about what this next season might look like? He's given us this, what, what might we do? Not, not for bricks and mortar, we, we don't care, that won't last into all eternity. But how it's a means to an end, and that is the salvation of souls and the building up of the saints. And so I reflect sometimes, you know, let's imagine we're well into the future, as in like we're all dead and in heaven. A thousand years from now, and we're looking back on our life on earth, and we're reflecting our time at St. Stephen's at Surrey Hills, and the ways we've served, you know, in various ways, the tech, the audio, the teaching, the discipling, the caring, the administration, all those different various tasks, and we're looking back and we say, None of those efforts were wasted. They were all valuable. No, nothing was in vain. And so we can look back with a sense of pleasure. Wow, God has made use of us for things that will last into all eternity. Isn't that just wonderful to reflect on? Now what about the year ahead? The year ahead. Now if we think that this season is good, and often I do catch up with other ministers, this, part, uh, this next week, in fact, I'll be... Um, what is it? Tomorrow, in fact, I'll be flying up to New South Wales to catch up with some other senior pastors. And no doubt we'll be asking each other, how's church going? How's, how's your family? How's ministry? And no doubt I'll be saying, we're in a, in a very good season in God's kindness. A good season for our church life. But does not mean then that we can put on the cruise control and just go sailing? To take it easy. Because I think that's our danger. Our danger is when things go well, we can become complacent. And we must never become complacent. Because doesn't God convict us or with what we call a holy ambition? It's an ambition not for us, but for the glory of Christ. And it's a holy one. He's giving us more so that we might do more for the kingdom. And this holy ambition or the sense of being content. We're so content, thankful to God. This weekend's been marvellous. But yet at the same time, there's a sense of discontent, this tension, that contented discontent. Because we want more for our Lord. He deserves far more. And so it's one of the reasons why the eldership, we've been considering a third service. So I'll spend a bit of time reflecting on this. If anything, it's far bigger, it's a far bigger change than what our church has experienced in decades because it affects everyone. If, if you think about it, it's a far bigger change and decision than buying a property. You know, last year was the, the that, that issue, that problem. It was the five talents, what will you do with it? Now it's the 10 talents, what will you do with it? So it's a big, big thing. And so why consider it at all? Why would our elders get away on the retreat with the staff team earlier this year, pray and seriously consider, maybe this is the next phase next step for our church life. 
Why? Because if you think about it, it's like being a sucker for pain. Who wants to work more? I mean, the staff team will be busier for not just us, but the church, the ministry teams. Who, who wants to do more? It'll mean more time. Being, it'll mean more, being more tired. It, it means being, um, getting more headaches. It, it means just more of a lot of things that we actually avoid all the time. We're daunted by it. It's, it's tough work. And so why? Of course, there are questions about when and how and the details about it. And of course, that will be all considered in time and will engage with you, the church family, in time. But why consider it in the first place? It's beyond us. Of course it is. It's bigger than us. It's, it's complicated. Of course it is. And so why? Well, let me share about what has compelled us. In fact, 10 years ago, I looked back at my uh, speech 10 years ago and I reflected on this passage from 2 Corinthians. And I'll, I'll, I'll share and reflect on what I reflect on 10 years ago. It's from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. What the Apostle Paul said. I'll just move out of the way. The Apostle Paul, he was sort of restless, relentless in what really mattered. The thing that really mattered for him were the things of God. And so 2 Corinthians, if we are out of our mind, it is for the sake of God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all. And therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Now, now what does that tell us if this is true and if it is true for us? You see, the first thing is, Christians, we're, we're meant to be out of our minds. As the world look upon us, they're, they're meant to think, you guys are nutcases. You guys are crazy. You're out of your mind. And if you think about the things that Christians would do, it's crazy stuff. Really crazy stuff. I'll, I'll use an example from, I mean, our eldership. Brilliant godly men. Super busy, but you pile upon more upon their, their lap and, and they'll carry it. They'll do more. Well, I'll, I'll embarrass one of our uh, elders and, and no apologies, but uh, consider the Moody's, for example. What a wonderful way to retire, don't you think? Let's, let's sort of retire, but we'll spend nine months here in Australia and nine months overseas, reaching people where Christianity is not welcome. <coughs> then we'll come back and then we'll do it again. Isn't that a wonderful way to retire? Of course not. To, to, to the eyes of the world, that is just crazy. You are out of your mind. Who would do such a thing? But you see, that is the way that Christians are meant to be. We're, we're meant to be out of our minds. And so why consider in a sense, our third service. Well, in a sense, it is at capacity. But don't we want to be sort of out of our mind for the sake of God, for the things of God? You know, so that more will hear the gospel, more will be built up because of it. But what's the motivation here? The motivation is the love of Christ. It's not because we don't think the work is hard. Of course it's hard. We're all daunted by it. It's not because we don't think it will cost us. Of course it will cost us. In fact, it will cost the whole church. It will affect the whole church. In fact, if it doesn't cost us, then the cross really means nothing. But it's the love of Christ that compels us to be crazy for him, to be mad for him, to be nutcases for him. The love of Christ compels us. 
I mean, is there a sacrifice that's actually too big for us to give to Christ? What do you think? Is there a sacrifice that will say, no, that's, that's too much for you, Jesus. You can't demand that much. Is there? Well, of course not. Because why? He died for us. He's given the greatest sacrifice at all. And so I really love how UV talked about this once. He said, whatever we do, it's no sacrifice because the sacrifice has been done for, by the Lord already for us. It's no sacrifice on our behalf. Recently I've shared of John Owen's book, Commune with God. And, and that I found, it's been hard going for our staff team, but I found that that book has been good for affecting my affections for the Lord. In fact, what I want to spend a bit more time reflecting on is actually our heart for the Lord. Not so much what we do, but our heart for the Lord. And John Owen, he said this, All that ever he did, that is Jesus, all that he ever did or does, all that ever he underwent or suffered as mediator, was for their sakes, that is, that is for your sake. You think about all that Jesus did. Whose sake was it for? Whose sake was it for? To create us, to bring us into existence, to give us life, to sustain us, for him to go from heaven to earth, to be humiliated, for him to go from cradle to cross and then to grave. It wasn't actually for his own sake. He didn't need that. It was actually for our sake. And so if you think about the majesty of what God has done for us in Christ, that we will be considered the apple of God's eye before the foundations of the earth. That love just has to compel us. We can be mad for him. We can be crazy for him. What, why wouldn't you? Is there a sacrifice that's too big? How can we not be compelled and gripped by such a love? And so what should our response be? Our response then should be, those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them, and was raised again. What does it mean? It means then that if we are genuine about our faith, if we are serious about the love of Christ for us and we know it, we're gripped by it, it means then that my life is not mine. Often it's very easy to think my life is mine, I need to do this, this is my plan, these are my ambitions. But no, your life has been purchased by Christ. He died for us. Our life is not for us to live for ourselves, but it is to live for Him. And so if you think about that, if we're really compelled by that, I mean, let's think back about the third service. It may mean for some of us we'll have to give a few more hours. Is that a sacrifice that's too big after what Christ has done? What do you think? If I have to stay around all day, is it a sacrifice that's all too big that Christ does not deserve? If it will affect my comfort, is it a sacrifice that's all too big? What do you think? You see, before we do anything, our heart actually has to be compelled first so that we might live for Him, so that we might recognise our life is not mine. It, it belongs to our Lord. And so you see, the temptation for us will be, I suspect, is we'll leave it to those who have more time. What does that mean? We'll leave it to those who have more time. Those who have more time, they'll, they'll volunteer, they'll do stuff. What it means then is we'll pile upon those who already have very little time because they're doing so much already. In fact, if you think about time itself, we actually all have exactly the amount of the same number of hours every day. 
You've got 24 hours, I've got 24 hours. What's the difference? The difference is a matter of priority. Where our heart is placed. If it's important, I'll give it all. If it's not so important, I won't. It's not those who have more time, they can do more stuff. But it's a matter of our own heart. And so even if we just reflect on, on the third service, is it doable? It will require, this is just crunching some numbers, it will require 40 extra volunteers every Sunday. Is that a lot? Does it sound like a lot? Sounds like a lot. But if all our hearts are really convicted and compelled by the love of Christ, is it a lot? It shouldn't be. It should not be at all. It shouldn't be at all. You see, my life is not mine. And there's no sacrifice that I can offer my Lord that is too great, that it can ever be too great. And so in, in, this, in this sort of like sharing, I want us to actually reflect on our own hearts. Has it been really been gripped by the love of Christ? So that our life is compelled by His love? So that I can see that my life is actually not mine, but His, to do as He pleases? It, uh, we've been looking at Deuteronomy, and, and I wonder whether you know, some of our responses will reflect whether we're Joshua and Caleb coming back, or we're, we're, like, we're like the other, the other ten spies. We look at and we size them up and we see the giants and we think, there is no way we can do this. Or well, we're afraid. But we look at them and we say, well, God can. And I want us to be more like Joshua and Caleb. And so now finally, what about you? Now for you to reflect on, on your own heart. Is your life your own? Do you live for yourself? Because if you do, do you know what the consequences are? If you live for yourself, you in fact live for no one and you'll waste your life away. If you live for yourself, you'll waste your life away and you've got nothing to show for. You see, I'm quite mindful of how I talk about that because as a minister, I can very easily guilt you into doing things. Very easy. And I'm afraid of doing that and I do not want to do that. So I'm not going to tell you what to do. Whether we go ahead with the third or not, in a sense, I don't want to tell you what to do. But I want to leave you with a sense of God's grace and the love of Christ. Thus, a little bit more on the grace of God for you, as we've heard in the book of Deuteronomy. Reflect a bit more on God's love for you in Christ, how his love is meant to compel you. Understand the power of the Spirit upon your heart and allow that to rest on your heart and let's see what God will do. I don't want to tell you what to do, but let's see how your heart might be affected by God. And as Oswald Chambers, he, he said in his devotions, he said, as servants, we want to be doing this. As servants of God, we must learn to make room for Him to give God elbow room. You know, elbow room, just give God a bit of space. If we're so, you know, we take up all the space, we don't allow anything for God. But in this moment, be the Caleb and Joshua. Give God some elbow room and let's see what God will do as He works on our heart. And let's see. In 2014, I, I did share this story and I'll end with this story.
because I think it's relevant for us as we think about our own heart, what we're motivated by, what we live for, and the type of sacrifices, which is really no sacrifice at all, that we would be willing to offer before our Lord. It's the story of Charles Luther. is from 1877. He wrote this hymn after hearing the story of a young man who became a Christian but knew that he was going to die a month later. So he only had a very short time in living in this world as a Christian, only about a month. And so this young man, he was sort of lamenting. He was joyful in the Lord, he's saved, he doesn't have long to live, but he was lamenting, I don't have that many opportunities to serve the Lord, to do much for the Lord, I've only got a month on earth. And so Charles Luther, hearing that story, he wrote this hymn, and I'll leave you with this hymn, and hopefully you'll see what God will do. Allow God our room. See what he'll do upon your heart as you, as you read these words and listen to it. And so the hymn goes, Must I go an empty-handed, thus my dear Redeemer meet? Not one day of service give him, lay no trophy at his feet. Must I go an empty-handed, must I meet my Saviour so? Not one soul with which to greet him. Must I empty-handed go? Over the years in sinning wasted, could I but recall them now, I would give them to my Saviour. To his will I'd gladly bow. And ye saints, arouse the earnest, up and work while yet this day, for the night of death overtake thee. Strive for souls while still you may. And so what will this year look like for you? What's important is actually your heart before the Lord. Third service or not, in a sense we'll pray, but what's more important is your heart before the Lord and your life. Is it yours or is it Christ? Or shall I pray? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that in your Son, Jesus Christ, who unites us to him, such that all our sins he paid and all his blessings he gives. We pray, Lord, that we might reflect on even these words of this hymn. That as we look forward in our life as a church family and as individuals, that we may not be those who would just waste their life away living for ourselves. Help us to feel the weight of not meeting you one day with empty hands with hands that were ready to serve you whenever you sent us, to carry, to bear, and to do much for the kingdom, because our hearts are compelled by the love of Christ. We pray this, Lord, for each one of us, our brothers and sisters in the Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name.